Hello everyone and welcome to the Like-Minded Podcast. I'm joined in the studio here by my fabulous co-host, Caitlin. Bradley, Caitlin, welcome. <laughs> what kind of week have you had today? Well, I've had a good week. I've had a good, a busy week, but a good week. I was filming Sunday and Thursday for a yeah. short horror film um, mm. by Rounds of the Hound Table. Rounds of that that's easy Let's for you to say. <laughs> Hounds of the round table. Hounds of the round table. Yeah. 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 The good lads. Um yeah, and busy working and it's bank holiday weekend. It yeah, is, and week. I can see that you've got a, a frock on and you're done up, so yes. you're going out immediately after this. Out, out, yeah. Okay, so when I'm um, we because normally what happens when we finish the podcast, I go home and clean the flat up. And no, watch watch old like videos uh, of snooker tournaments cl- <laughs> clutching onto my laxatives. But <laughs> but Caitlin goes out, has a roaring time, and ends up snorting cocaine from the firm buttocks of a friend. So we just have those kind I of don't uh, do comparisons drugs, in in our lives. It's just <laughs> please cut that out. I don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but enough Bob! enough of our enough of our lives. <laughs> Not of our lives, Caitlin, because we're we're really pleased to have in the studio with us a great writer of of TV and uh, and poetry and books as well and of stage plays. So we've got Jerry Linford. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bob. Thanks Uh, to meet you. It's really lovely to to have you here. What um, what I want to do, if it's all right with you, is um, we need to talk about Ellen and Rigby, which mm-hmm. is coming on at the Royal Court. But yep. we'll we kind of uh, talk about that and plug it at, at the end, make sure everyone knows the, the, the dates and stuff. I want to talk about other plays that you've had at, at the Royal Court as well. Um, but let's go back, let's go back mm-hmm. to the annals of time. And how did you get into writing? What was your kind of life experience that led you up to that point of, I am now a writer? Right, well... I mean, I think I always wanted to be a writer and I always considered myself a writer, but mm. without actually writing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just that little bit we and, have to do. <laughs> and, I, and I think that the, there's there's a perception sometimes, there's a kind of romantic notion of being a writer that I subscribed to and that I mm. fell into. Mm-hmm. And I, the type of writers I liked were, let's say, chaotic in their lifestyles. Mm. I like people like Hemingway, yeah. Kerouac, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Hunter Ray- S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson, mm. Raymond Carver. Mm. Uh, people who had drink problems, drug problems, not like yourself. <laughs> oh, my God, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a drink problem. I've not got drug problems. Anyway, um, as you were saying, Jerry. So... Um, Th- those are the kind of writers I liked, that kind mm. of Bukowski. It's kind of edgy and yeah. it's kind of, yeah, chaotic lives and things. Yeah, yeah and, and for a time I, I felt like if I could emulate these guys' lifestyles, mm. then the the side effect of that would that I'd become a great writer. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't necessarily work like that. And so the biggest catalyst for me to becoming a writer and a proper writer, mm. not just someone who called themselves a writer, mm. yep was in 2009 when I stopped drinking. Mm. So I stopped drinking at the end of 2009. Yeah. Uh, that coincided with me losing my job mm. and it also coincided with me starting a master's um, degree course mm. in screenwriting. So those three things gave me the focus, the time, mm-hmm. the energy and the discipline yep. 
to put into practice what I'd been talking about putting into <laughs> practice for many years. Were, were you writing for stories, uh, were, you know, novels, or yeah. were you specifically writing with a, a stage in mind? Or you, could no, you see that in your head? What, it, what was it's that? It's interesting, actually, because I've now become known, really, for writing mm. for theatre. Mm -hmm. um, but theatre was never on my radar. Mm. I, I never considered writing for theatre. I always thought I'd write a novel, yeah, yeah. a great novel. Mm. I, I always thought I'd write bits of poetry. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then ultimately, I, I was moving towards writing for the screen, yeah. uh, television and film. And although I love theatre, and I've always been a fan of theatre, and uh, I've gone to the theatre since I was a young boy, you know, mm. I've, I've gone to see plays and in the 80s. I used to mm. go and see literally everything at yeah. the Playhouse, the Blood Man, Brothers, all Blues, that era. Yeah, yeah, the whole era, Bleasdale, Russell, mm. um, John McGrath, whole truck theatre company. And, and I'd go to London, I'd go to Stratford. You know, mm. I was a theatre buff, yeah. don't yeah. get me wrong. And I read a lot of theatre, Orton, Pinter, Beckett, mm. Ionesco, Ibsen, you know, um, David Mammoth, Neil Simon, all, all people who I was very fond of, very familiar with. But I never thought I want to be like those guys or I want to write for theatre. Yeah. I, I always thought that was something for other people. And, and for me as a writer, I saw myself initially as a novelist or a short story writer mm. or mm -hmm. a poet because mm. that felt a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's more manageable because, yeah. in, in fact, you, you have got a collection of short stories. Yeah, I've, I've got there. a collection of short stories uh, that I've brought out. And, and, in fact, that does lead into me becoming a writer mm. for theatre because uh, I wrote this short story collection and my plan was that I was going to um, write 10 a collection 10, yeah. very mm. Raymond Carver, James Kelman type collection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was one story in particular about, the, which was loosely based on an instance in my childhood about this priest who was a oh, compulsive yeah. gambler. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and I, there was there was gold dust in this story. And I thought, I'm going to include this as the kind of finale Cause, of cause the Because this has grown up in Liverpool in yeah. a big Catholic family because, yeah. my God, you've got about 10 brothers or yeah, I've got Yeah, I've got... Um, Six brothers and three sisters. My youngest brother sadly died now, but I grew up mm. with them. Um, there was ten of us. Wow! And now in 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 Liverpool in the nineteen sixties, priests used to come round and visit people's yeah. houses. Yeah, and, and, and sixties and seventies. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in um, Kirkdale, mm. and not far from Great Ormond Street, where mm. the, the play ultimately ends up being set. Mm -hmm. But we moved to Ellesmere Port in the 70s, and this incident happened in Ellesmere Port, mm. actually. Yep. But we had this priest who used to come round our house all the time, and he was a compulsive gambler. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and my dad was unemployed at the time. And my dad likes a bet, but my dad's bets are modest. Yeah. Five, yeah. five pence round robin, 10 pence Yankee, 20 pence place pot. <laughs> Things like that, <laughs> yes. you know, very yeah. modest, humble. Yeah. Me dad, and my dad's 82 now, and he still mm. has a bet every day. Wow. You know, he, um, <laughs> Good on him. It's like him doing a crossword. You know, he, he spends hours studying the form and all that. Really? But yeah. he, only, yeah. he yeah. only puts these very small bets on. But this priest had come round to our house all the time for his Sunday dinner and all that, like, you know. Yeah. And he'd say to me, Dad, you like a bet, don't you, Frank? <laughs> Any chance you can put a bet on for me? <laughs> I feel embarrassed going in the betting shop. And he'd go, yeah, yeah, sure, father. You know, what, what do you want? And he'd give him £50 double. Oh, my God. <laughs> and go, what? what? Which, which is an enormous <laughs> amount in them days. Yeah. 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 And then it'd be like, you know, 
hundred pounds treble and all that. And, oh, I, and he was gambling on the football. And we we were all football mad, big Everton fans in our family. Mm. Yeah. Um, going the match and all that, but we never associated football with gambling. You know, it was football mm. was the football. Yes, yeah. yeah. And people didn't bet on football yeah. in them days. No, yeah. no it was football. The betting was on the horse race, and, and oh, the okay. football was the football. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, but this priest was putting bets on the football, and wow. um, and the World Cup came along, and he was winning a lot of money, and he was putting big bets on. And I thought this is a ripe for a story, so it was going to be the finale of my book. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I'd done some sketches, done some outlines, and one day I was um, a friend of mine. Phil Hayes, I don't know. If yes, but yeah, yeah. Phil Hayes had an exhibition um, just down the road here. Of his collages. Collages, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'd arranged to meet him and have a coffee and go and look at his exhibition. Mm. And Phil was going through, through some stuff yeah, at the yeah. time and he didn't turn up. Mm. And I'm sitting in this coffee shop on my own, staring at this poster mm. for the Hope Theatre writing prize. And I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if... Uh, I could turn that story of the priest into a stage play. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And the deadline was only like two weeks away. Yeah. So, and, but I'd made notes and I'd done a story outline and all that, like, you know, so uh, I went home and I became fired. Uh, I became really enthused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, as I'm writing it, I'm thinking, this is a cracker. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be really good. And, uh, and I knew that the Royal Court was the end game for mm -hmm. this particular Hope Prize. Yeah. And so I was thinking, the Royal Court, it's scouse, it's yeah. kind of, it's, what we're it's, about. it's funny, it's mm -hmm. got mm. elements of truth, it's mm. magical, it's got realism, and and uh, it just kind of steamed. And in two weeks I did a first draft, and, and I knew it was good, and I knew it was um, an exciting project. Mm. And then it got, it didn't win, it, and I'm not bitter. <laughs> ten grand, ten grand. <laughs> oh, oh man! Wow. But it, it got runner up. It yeah. got runner up, yeah. But then at the ceremony, Kevin Fearon, who's the exec producer, said we need to have a chat. So uh, arranged to chat with him, and he said, "Yeah, we'd like to do this." Les Dennis loves it. Les was on the judging wow. panel, yes, yeah, for the, and he said mm. Les wants to play the priest. And fantastic! And I've sent the script to Andrew Schofield. He wants to play the mm. unemployed mm. man. Um, uh, there's a big buzz around it. We want to get it on. And I stuck. Oh, fantastic. He said, one thing, <laughs> we hate the title. <laughs> and it was called A Prayer to St. Cajetan. Yeah. And uh, and when I was doing my research for the play, St. Cajetan was the patron saint of Argentina, mm -hmm. the patron saint mm -hmm. of gamblers, and the patron saint of unemployed, wow. which was three strands of, of the, the story. Of the yeah, story. Yeah. It was a morality tale yeah. because this priest prays to St. Cajetan to give him the results of the games prior to them happening mm -hmm. mm. and then he gets the results and the, the saint will say to him and it's a scouse saint played by J.K. Abraham yeah. <laughs> and so J.K. Abraham says to him listen uh, Scotland are going to beat Holland 3-2 tomorrow yeah. Archie, Archie Gemmell's going to score a yeah, cracker yeah, yeah. and so then the priest would go to Drew Schofield and say I want £50 on Scotland to win 3-2 Archie Gemmell to get the third yeah. goal yeah. Uh, and Drew would go, oh, you're crazy, that's, that's 50 to 1. Just put 50 quid on it and double it with Austria to beat yeah. Sweden 1 yeah. yeah. and it, so And the money escalates, but it all caves in on them. Um, but he didn't like the title. So I was thinking, prayer to St. Kajitan, it, maybe it's slightly esoteric, maybe yeah. it's slight, you know, and the Royal Court likes to have the broad scouse, comedy thing yeah, so I was thinking yeah. so I was writing scouse words like you know chocker you know uh, skin you know and all yeah, that yeah. kind of thing and then 
football phrases, uh, gambling phrases, Catholic phrases, but trying to do a mismatch. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, I, literally, it was it was a miracle in itself. Really, I woke up one morning and just the words were there. And it wasn't necessarily Great Home Street. But I was thinking the miracle of what about if we call it the miracle of County Road or the miracle of Smithdown Road or the miracle. And then I, I remember when I was a kid, we lived in Fontal Road. Grady was uh, an iconic, well-known street. Market, mm-hmm. yeah. And I thought, Miracle of Great Ormond Street, <coughs> that's got a nice ring it to it. It has got a nice ring. So I rang Kevin up and said, what do you think of the Miracle of Great Ormond Street? Yeah, it's on sale tomorrow. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so that Brilliant. was it. Right? Yeah. And in fairness, none of the others work. Um, you know, uh, Miracle on, on Walton Road doesn't work. Miracle <laughs> yeah. on Breck Road doesn't work. But the, the, it's funny, though, because there's it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, this um, this Liverpool thing, because once the play was up and running mm-hmm. and it was a hit and it was, you know, people were enjoying it and it was critically well-claimed, the actors were saying to me, I prefer Prayer to St. Kajitan. I, I prefer oh, that no. title. Yeah. And, um, and other people were saying that. And then there was people who were from Great Home Street we're turning up thinking, it's got nothing to do with yeah. Great Home Street, you know, doesn't it? We were expecting it to be about the market and all yeah. that, and yeah. It, yeah. it's not even in it. I mean, it was just a random yeah, catch-all name, like, you know. So you can't win, but but that did then trigger me love of writing for theatre, writing for the Royal Court specifically. And obviously, um, when it finished, And your love of place names <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in, in the play road titles. Names. Well, that was it, because uh, I was getting the train home one night, and Kevin had said to me, um, when it was mid-run, really, have you got anything else? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't, you know, I said no. Were you honest with it? Yeah, I said no. You must have a couple of manuscripts not kicking around, but no, no, I've got nothing. <laughs> 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 I love the honesty. <laughs> what about these short stories? Any of them could be... No, nah, they're not really... That kind of mm. thing. Like, yeah. you know, uh, well, have you? Could you come up with something? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll mm. come up. With. So anyway, I was getting the train home, and just I, I, I used to live in Breck. I've lived everywhere, like, mm. and, but there was a time in the early eighties when I lived off Breck Road, mm-hmm. and I'd seen a poster for Wicked or something like that. And thought, oh, mm. Yellow Breck Road, that's quite catchy. Yeah, that's, that's quite cool. good. <laughs> so, uh, so the next time I saw Kevin, I said, what do you think of Yellow Breck Road? And he goes, yeah, I love that title. <laughs> so, so my original idea of that was to write a pastiche of The Wizard of Oz. So, okay. and, I, and I wrote this story outline where Dorothy lived on Breck Road and she hated <laughs> Anfield and she wanted to get out of it and she wanted wow. to move to London and yeah. the bright lights and yeah. all that, but the family were kind of keeping her hemmed in. And then she has this bump on the head and, you know, the... Um, the tin streets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she turns up there and mm. there's a tin man and he's a tin man. He's a drinking tins, tins cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the tin man. <laughs> and we've got the, the lion who's a bouncer who's lost his nerve and he, he's been oh, sacked. For, and then we've got uh, <laughs> the got scare, yeah, scarecrow yeah, yeah. who's like a homeless beggar and Fantastic. all that. Ca- so that was the story. So it, it wrote itself from yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it had all the, the story beats there of the Wizard of Oz and I thought, mm. yeah, and we've, we've got the antagonist with the witch and and anyway, so I wrote this outline, took it to the Royal Court, and they said, no, we can't do that. Um, the, it's too copyright on The Wizard of Oz. Right, it's really of tight. Oh, I see. We can't use any of the scarecrow line and all that. Mm-hmm. Basically, we love the title, but we can't have anything to do with The Wizard of Oz. Right. It? So I had to come up with this new family saga that mm. would roughly welcome the... Um, 
the phrase Yellow Breck Road, yeah. mm. but it wouldn't have anything at all to do with the Wizard of Oz. Oh, right. really? And the, the thing was that this was written during the anniversary of the moon landings, the 50th anniversary. Yeah. So instead of taking her to Kansas or Oz or whatever, mm. I stuck her on the moon. Yeah. And, and so she, uh, so they're watching telly and they're talking about the anniversary of the moon landings and yeah. someone's saying, that oh, never happened, it's all a hoax and all <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them flat earthers. And then she puts her uh, finger in the lecky socket, blows the circuit, wakes up on the moon with her uncle who's in a NASA outfit. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> and then they have, she sees a parents do you know blue remembered hills yes, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's like she sees her parents childhood and all the family mm. secrets unraveling mm. on, on the moon and wow. she and it's basically whilst she's in a coma after the electrocution mm. she, they're talking to her and telling her stuff and she's imagining it and because they're talking about the moon just before she freaks out that's where she is. So it's it's one of them. It's like a magical realism family saga, but it's called Yellow Breck Road. And, wow. and Ethna plays the um, Ethna Brown, Brown plays yeah. the grandmother who lives yeah. with her. And she's had an is accident. she a foul mouth grandmother? Yeah, she's yes. foul mouth, and she's yes. she's constantly talking about her toilet habits. And, <laughs> the, uh, and she's the dot who's the daughter has to take her to the toilet and look after her because she's got her, her arms are in a plastic cast. Right. Both oh arms. It's funny and it's it's a nice domestic saga. Lovely. So that that triggered. So that um, the the Great Elm Street one started mm. the ball rolling yeah. and mm. then obviously Yellow Breck Road came about and then it was the, the same question what else have you got right. <laughs> and by that time I'd kind of got into the habit of as you say street names yeah. <laughs> and I thought I've done two in the north end and maybe I should go in the yes. south end yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was Men Love Avenue Murder Mystery and that was uh, now th this is the one if you look uh, excuse me for, for this accusation <laughs> That I, I think is the one that's most closely uh, the, uh, of, of yourself yeah. because it's a middle-aged man who's obsessed with murder mysteries. <laughs> um, so so t tell us about this, about because I, I just love this. Okay. Um, Paul Duckworth played the, uh, the mm. guy in... Mm. I can't remember his name. Eddie. Eddie was the guy. So he, he's like a kind of Columbo. He's like a kind of um, detective. Yeah, he's in every... Well, Columbo... Lieutenant Columbo is actually in the play. Mm. Um, Liam Tobin played him, but mm. uh, Paul plays this guy who's kind of been made redundant, living with his wife Trish, and he's obsessed, as you say, with TV detectives. His house is full of box sets and books, mm. and um, and he, he's constantly wanting to um, preoccupy himself with detective fiction and TV yep. much to his wife's annoyance um, mm. you know the, the marriage has gone stale mm. they've kind of, the, the sex life's non-existent and she's kind of on his case all the time and, and he's reluctant and he's worried about whether he's going through what the menopause you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's like you know he's kind of reached a certain age where he's worrying about his virility and mm. his masculinity etc and then these two new neighbours move in next door and they've got a very colourful sex life. The, the, the walls are shaking, the chandeliers are swinging and they meet them and they go around there and they're very over the top and it's Gillian and um, Gillian Hardy and Liam Tobin mm -hmm. and they, um, they're very loud, very colourful, very extrovert, mm -hmm. very, lots of PDAs. Yeah. And it, it, in marked contrast to 
Eddie and Shish, and they've even got like you know pornographic art on the yes, walls, on the walls. Yeah. and they've got a phallus, a, for want of a better word, a dildo mm. yeah. <laughs> on an ornamental dildo on, on the table. Now, now we've got to explore this further because <laughs> this is the first mention of Chekhov's dildo <laughs> yeah. in in British theatre. So yeah. tell us about this. Well, I um, mean, most of your listeners are, are theatre. <laughs> aficionados yeah. so they will all have heard of Chekhov's gun yeah. and Chekhov's gun in literature and in theatre is that if a gun is visible at some point in a play somebody will have yes. to use yeah. it mm -hmm. so we've got a dildo on stage <laughs> from the very first moment so, I love this so at some stage somebody's going to have to use it um, it, it's just why it's Chekhov's. That, that, that's my... Because I, I think, you know, Chekhov had a kind of weird relationship with, with Tolstoy. Yeah. And I, I wonder, did Tolstoy pass it on to him? Because <laughs> the literal translation of Tolstoy into English is, is sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, just Caitlin's like going along with this, even though it's nonsense. I don't even know if you're joking anymore. Like, I, I never know with you, Bob, so I can't. So, I, I just love the idea and I love the way you kind of shoehorned it into, if, if you pardon the expression, shoehorned it into the play. <laughs> but the, it was one of the one of the critics, uh, when we when it, the reviews came in, one of the critics said the first first example in British theatre of Chekhov's dildo. Chekhov's um, so dildo, I love that. It does. It does get used, um, but it doesn't get used f for its original function. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it gets used for another function. Um, and it, it, but um, the character of Eddie, he's obsessed with murder mysteries. Mm. And so this couple next door, a real life murder takes place and he's convinced that he can solve it. He can mm. get to the bottom mm -hmm. of it without involving the police. And nobody believes him because he's the boy who cried wolf. You know, he's yeah. the kind of... And so to, to get guidance and sucker through this process he turns to his mentor who is lieutenant columbo mm. right. now when you're writing a murder mystery for the theater the character could get the character gets bumped off early doors mm. now we've got liam tobin fantastic actor we saw him play sweeney mm. todd at the everyman mm -hmm. if we kill him off in the first act uh, yeah it's what a waste. are we gonna, yeah, what yeah. gonna do with him yeah so i brought him back to play columbo right. uh, mm. as his as Eddie's mentor. Mm. So Eddie's going through this process of solving the mystery, but with the assistance of Columbo, right, okay. who's kind of there as mm. a kind of ghostly spiritual Yeah, is he figure. there, is he not type like thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that's where that comes. But then it all unravels, it all, everything gets solved at the end. And for, um, to everyone's joy, the sex life is restored yeah. of the main character. <laughs> so he's not impotent after all. And his <laughs> wife still loves him. Oh, fabulous, oh, fabulous. What a love story that. It, it's just fa it's, 21st it's just, century yeah, love yeah. story. Um, but I, I want to explore. Um, I said we talk a little bit about Scouse humour yep. because a, a, a lot of these plays have uh, are based in Liverpool. It's kind of Scouse humour and stuff. Yep. And I wanted to get your views on, on Scouse humour because, you know, it it is talked about a lot um i think sometimes we we can we need to be careful it's not going into into stereotyping and cliches yeah. and, and and all this kind of stuff um my view is that uh, scouse humor is very much kind of a it's uh, it's about warmth and it's about friendliness but it's also about um being really um kind of um, cruel some, sometimes um, and sarcastic in, in a way because sometimes we will put each other down like a sledgehammer, you know. Yeah. Blah, blah. I what, know what, that, Bob. What, 
you've experienced this, <laughs> yep. haven't, haven't you? But I, and I also think you know not everyone in, in Liverpool is is funny because I just think visitors that that get into a taxi in Liverpool will will discover taxi drivers are manic depressives in shorts, <laughs> and, and they, they'll just uh, it's crap here. It's craft town now. You can't get through anywhere. So uh, you know, people will have a mixed view. What, what's what's your view on scouse yeah. humour? And- uh, I mean, I, I think there is definitely a characteristic that we've got mm. here. That, um, and I think you're right when you say warmth. Mm. There is a warmth, and I think I try to bring that through in my mm. plays. That there, there is warmth. That if you're going to be watching a play for two hours you've got to actually like the people that you're mm. watching. Mm. You, you can't hate them. Yeah. <laughs> you can't sit there and think, oh, she does me head in here, or mm. he does me head in. So if it's a comedy, that the characters have to be lovable. And I think that the, the way that the audiences respond to these characters says something about them as well as people. You know, So there, there is a warmth, there is a, an appeal. But then if, if you look back uh, historically, um, when Liverpool was sort of high in the 60s with the Beatles yeah and that that kind of exposure that probably the Americans and the world got mm. to scouse humor mm. as you describe it was probably through John Lennon yeah and yeah. And, um, and, and the rest and that of the was quite caustic yes yeah, caustic it was sardonic it was mm. as you say sarcastic ridicule putting mm. people down self-deprecating mm. um, all of these uh, there's an irony to it mm. and the, and the accent as well mm. all, all of that kind of lends itself and then you get a lot of people trying to emulate mm. the Beatles uh, and then obviously the people like Ken Dodd who's a legend to mm. the Royal Court mm-hmm. he yeah. kind of kept the theatre going in the mm. 60s and 70s yeah. um, so the the, the, the humour the scouse humour as you say is, is something that people identify I mean the, the people this new play I've got coming out I'm working with Andrew Schofield again and I've worked with him in the past and he's a very witty man mm. and um, and I've been lucky that the plays I've had on up to now with Jake Abraham as well and mm-hmm. um, Paul Duckworth very witty individuals mm-hmm. and it, you could say that it's a scouse wit yeah. you know because it's quick yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's sarcastic mm. it's funny mm. it, it, they go off on flights of fancy and you do yourself, Bob. Actually, you know, I've only met you <laughs> Go today. Away. Go away. <laughs> uh, but there's that kind of um, yeah, yeah. Fl- that flight surreal slightly, um, mm. you know, and all of that I think is characteristic of Liverpool mm. imagination yeah. and humour. Um, but I think that the foundation of it all is mm. warmth. I think that we do care about people. We we are a caring mm. community. And that runs through your plays as well because a lot of it is family and relationships and, yeah. and, and friendliness, the friendship and warmth as yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. I think um, all of my plays up to now have been comedies. They've all had payoffs where mm. every everyone's happy at the end. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that kind of payoff is rooted in warmth, in family, in love. In mm. happiness, mm-hmm. in contentment, and the the first play, the the miracle of Great Home Street, about the priest with the money, the the overriding message in that is that we you don't need money to be happy. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. you can't chase money. You uh, and again with Yellow Breck Road, that's the message that comes through is that the yeah. most important ingredient in a person's happiness is family and yeah. is love, and is um, they're, they're a poor family but they're a contented mm. family. But also, your plays, and indeed most of the plays at the Royal Court, draw 
thousands of, of audience to them yeah. um, they are working class people mm -hmm. um, and there is some snobbery within the um, theatre world uh, to look down on certain types of plays and it's yeah. you know yeah, yeah, they're, they're not yeah. talking about Kafka they're, they're, they're having a good time and stuff yeah, you're but right. people will finish those shows um, and go home feeling as though they've had a good night out and a good time and we'll be looking for the next one to come around absolutely you're dead right there I think um, there, there has been an element of snobbery snootiness mm. um, cultural elitism mm. and people have looked down on the royal court you know and they say like the every man is where you get your high art and mm. the royal court is where you get your low art oh, wow. mm. and and that's something that I, I strongly disagree mm. with yeah. you know I, I yeah, think that definitely. you know um, and uh, one thing that I resent is when people say the royal court is theatre for people who don't go to theatre mm. I mean that that's just an absolute mm. that, that's a, a paradox because you know, as you say, thousands of people. I mean, fifteen, twenty thousand people have been see each of my shows, not not combined. You know, and yeah, the, the current yeah. show has sold ten thousand tickets or something. I yeah. don't know, but and and these are people who do go to the theatre. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, by definition, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and they love going to theatre, mm. and theatre is part of their social calendar, and they've desperately missed the theatre mm. during the last eighteen yeah, months definitely. or what have mm. you. So it's not just about people who go to see as you say, you know, Ibsen or Strindberg mm. or, you know, and I, I, I myself, you know, I, I studied theatre, as I said mm. at the start, I used to love going to theatre. My first degree at Liverpool University was in, um, was in English language and literature, but two of my modules that I chose were contemporary drama and forming modern drama. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've got a grounding in, in international theatre. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will not, dismiss common grassroots everyday working class theatre and, pl and plays by the likes of myself and Fred Lawless and mm. Dave Kirby mm. are yeah. just as culturally significant as something. Of course. I, I mean, and yeah. I don't want to compare myself with any of these like international mm. heavyweights, but <laughs> there, are, there are people who enjoy my work yeah. And, yeah. and there are people who enjoy Dave's work and Fred's work and... Mm. Ian Salmon's work and yeah. you know that, yeah. that they and they are a big draw to people that, uh, and theatre. Yeah. All right, let's um, let's finish on um, your latest play um, because you know we we've had postponements because of mm -hmm. the um, because of the pandemic and stuff, but. Um, Eleanor and Rigby is coming on. Yep. It's actually coming on, and yeah. it starts the first. Uh, is it the first, sorry the second of second July, July. Yeah. and runs to the thirty first of July at the Royal. Tell us about Eleanor and, and Rigby because you've got great a great cast in this. Yeah, we've got a great. Well, it's a two hander. Yeah. Um, it's Drew Schofield again. First, mm. the second time I've worked with Drew, mm -hmm. and it's also the first time I've worked with Lindsay Germain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lindsay Germain's fabulous character actor Absolutely. from Liverpool very funny the pair of them are very funny and i'm really mm. looking forward to starting rehearsals a week on monday um also directed by stephen fletcher who i've never worked with. i've known him for a while mm. but i've never worked with yeah. him and up to now uh, the the conversations i've had with him i'm really impressed mm. he's a major talent and i think he'll do a great job with this play um it's the, it, it's a very covid specific play <laughs> it is, yeah. right. um because these people get into a relationship during what? Kind what? of, kind of. Um, 
I was, I mean, it's a bit of a backstory to how this play came about mm. because last year when we, the, we first started lockdown, mm-hmm. we didn't know what was going to happen with theatre. Plays mm. got, theatres got short. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what was happening with the virus, with yeah. the vaccine. We, yeah. we, it was a real uncertainty about the, uh, the future. And there was a lot of boosts in online stuff, you know, um, Zoom stuff and mm. things yep. like that. Mm-hmm. And... Kevin from the Royal Court said to me, um, would you be interested in writing a two-hander that we could film in the studio downstairs mm. and um, and live stream it on, yeah, on yeah. our yeah. YouTube channel? Yeah. And this was maybe last March or something like that. Um, and I, I won't name these actors, but he had two actors who were up for it, male mm. actors. One was a Liverpool fan in real life and mm. one was a Man City fan in real life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this was at the time when the football season was abandoned. You know, yeah. there was yeah, no yeah, games yeah, yeah. being yeah, played. Yeah, yeah. And Liverpool were on the brink of winning the league for the first <laughs> yeah. time in 30 years. And were they going to win it or was it going to be null and voided? Most Everton fans would open it and be null and voided, <laughs> like yeah. myself. But um, it was kind of in limbo. And this play I wrote, I, I wrote it quite quickly, and it was a one one act, one hour. Yeah, two, yeah. It was called Two Men, Two Meters. And it was about these two guys who had to social distance. And mm. one of them was a Man City fan, and one of them was Liverpool right. fan. It was just a, about how men articulate the feelings through football. Mm. Okay. And so that so the City fan was goading him about Liverpool are never going to win the league. Mm. The, 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 even the world wants them to not win the league. <laughs> <laughs> and the Liverpool fan was kind of biting back and it was about male values and, mm-hmm. and expressions but the thing was whilst I was writing it I say I wrote it really quickly yeah, yeah. and the actors got hold of it and one of them the Liverpool guy was dead keen to do it but the Man City guy was working on another project and he couldn't do it at that time but by the time he could commit to it the play had become irrelevant because right. the, they were up again and playing Liverpool had won the league right. none of the jokes landed mm. it, yeah yeah it, it yeah. was just yeah. pointless so it passed that time had passed yeah, yeah it was a moment so that I'd wasted me time and you know writing this play and then um, but it wasn't wasted because no, not, nothing's wasted. ever wasted no. and I enjoyed writing it and and I'd been writing for two voices and it kind of gave me that practice. So when the theatres started reopening mm-hmm. and the, the Royal Court got back in touch and said, um, would you be interested in doing a two-hander? Now, the thing about a two-hander is because they wanted a two-hander fairly low budget. Mm. Right. Like the, mm. the other play I've got kind of waiting in the wings, Macher and Beth, mm. is a big budget play with a large cast yeah. and lots yeah. of effects yeah. and what have you. And we need the world to be totally yeah. back to normal yeah. before, you can before that, we can yeah. get that one up and running. But this one needs simple set, and it basically, and I, and I don't want to tempt fate here, I'm touching <laughs> wood, wood definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it's a play that if the plug does get pulled on it, it's not going to yeah, break yeah, the bank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, if yeah. Boris Johnson turns around and says, actually, we've made a mistake, everything's shut down again, mm. then yeah. it won't be the big disaster if we mm. spend thousands and thousands mm-hmm. investing. Mm. So it's got to be a simple play. Yeah. So the, that was the idea that write a simple play with just two actors, one location. Um, so that that was mm. the, the brief, mm. and that was what, what yeah. I kind of been working. So I thought, and about it's happening. And yeah, and, and so I wrote this thing, and I set it because I was worried about the time specific collapse of the last play. Mm-hmm. You know, when with the jokes being irrelevant, I thought it yeah. needs to be set in a very clearly recognizable time, because I mean. 
with last year and even now things are changing all the time that yeah. you don't want to write something yeah. that is not accurate yeah. by the time yeah it and it's on. weird to ignore what's gone on as well so yeah. it has to be mentioned exactly at some point. so i set it the opening the play opens on saint patrick's day this year mm. march the 17th mm. and drew or rigby Joe Rigby mm. is turning up to get his first jab, mm. his vaccination. Right. So he goes to a vaccine centre and the nurse who's administering it is Ellen, mm. Ellen McGuinness. Okay. And she, the pair of them are lonely people. Mm. Okay. Um, he's lonely, but he doesn't know he's lonely. He's, mm. he's alone. He, he's a failed musician. He's kind of trapped in the 1980s. Mm. You know, he, he he was in a band in the 80s. He never made it, but he never he hasn't let it go. He's right. still got posters of his band yeah. all over yeah. the walls. Yeah. He, he still goes on about when he did Larks in the Park and he nearly became <laughs> a pop star and all yeah, that. Yeah. And he's got this flat in, near Sefton Park. And Ellen is lonely. He's kind of opted out of society and she's thrown herself into society. Mm. She's right, okay. doing everything she can to try and get herself a fella you know she, she's mm. looking for love she's looking for romance um, but it's not coming to mm. her so you've got two people who kind of by Covid are forced into the yeah, same place yeah. the same day St Patrick's Day 2021 he's getting his jab and he has a bad reaction to it he's the last one of the day oh. he has a bad reaction she's his neighbour she offers to take him home she takes him back to his flat she weighs it up. It's mm. quite a nice flat, isn't it? Oh. And so, kind of, she kind of hoodwinks him into a letting him, letting her stay there mm. for the twelve weeks between his jabs. Oh, I see. I <laughs> so, see. So, the, the play's book ended. So, the first scene is his first jab, and the last scene is his second jab. Okay. And okay. the action is the oh is my the god, weeks. the genius, the, yeah. the twelve weeks in yeah. between. Yeah. And it's like, do they? Fall, it's a rom com. Yeah. yeah. Do they yeah. fall in yeah. love? Yeah. Do they not fall in yeah. love? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also, how has this past year affected people? Yeah. What's gone on? What and there's mm. kind of subplots and there's, mm. you know, what's she been doing during lockdown? What's he been doing? Yeah. How yeah. how how has the world changed? Mm. And and so it's a it's a rom com with two people. In a time, love in a time of COVID. Love oh, of COVID. fabulous! Love and obviously, time. Eleanor Rigby's the kind of yeah, pun. Yeah. yeah, but you've moved away from, <laughs> from street names, so so we'll accept that. Yeah, yeah. I've just it's, got you both now. It's, it's Beatles <laughs> theme from now on. Well, Macker and Betha. I mean, I was I, I was toying with the idea of um, writing a bunch of Shakespearean puns, you know, like Macker and Beth. Yeah, and a bit of a do about nothing. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we've been trying to write All's Well in Heswell. Thank you so much for coming on, Jerry. Oh, thank I've you. Just enjoyed this this yeah. talk, for, you know, so much. Pleasure. And uh, we've we've covered everything, haven't we? We've covered nineteenth uh, century Russian literature and Breck Road. How, <laughs> how good is that? That's All in one that. episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, um, Caitlin, we yes, need Bob. to do the housekeeping before we, we go. Yes, what, we do. what do we need to say? So we need to say, subscribe to our newsletter if you're not already, called Insider. So go to our website, which is likemindedproductions.co.uk and you can subscribe there because you get the special episodes that we do on the podcast. You get them mm. a few days before they actually get released for everybody else. Mm. Um, and you get and we of- are on the brink of some news which we'll just leave in the air there. We're on the brink of some good, of some great news here. I mean, I don't even know that news. You so do, yeah. actually. Do I, actually? Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I do know the news. I do know the news. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, I think that's everything. Oh, follow us and like us all on Instagram and and Twitter and Facebook, which is Like Minded yeah. Productions. Thank you for Andrew, our, our producer. Whose, whose little face has perked up because we're back in the studio and the sound quality is it's just like great so andrew's yes, please thanks for uh chris woodward for for booking a fabulous guest once yes. again i know i know we talk bad about him but he does <laughs> deliver good guests so thank, thanks very much um Caitlin, yes, Bob. Um, i know you your plans is, is to go out and and and, and drink <laughs> Um, maybe uh, yeah, yeah so yeah yes. what are your plans though Bob Towers um, are you doing a jigsaw puzzle today <laughs> what about well, you, you know what you know I've got a bike now so oh that, yeah so you've got yes. a bike and you're not yes. going to fall in the Mersey so uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you live uh, on the leisure peninsula of Merseyside and you see an old man on a bike um, be, you know be, be, be cautious um, <laughs> thanks very much everyone and see you all again on thank the next you. podcast see you later bye bye